Well, the headline got us thinking, what is this all about? And the headline is not so fast. From shrews to elephants, animal reflexes are surprisingly slow. And this comes out of UB, or sorry, not UBC, SFU. Simon Fraser University researchers have taken a look at this. And joining me on the line to talk a bit more about this research is Heather Moore, who is with SFU. Uh, Sorry, Heather, I had UBC on the brain there, but you're an (laughs) SFU postdoctoral researcher. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. How did this even start, the idea of testing the reflexes of animals? Well, uh, Max, my collaborator, and I, who's the co-author on this study, we did some work before looking at um, the speed that nerves in different animals conduct information because um, I mean, large animals like elephants are so much bigger than small animals that their um, nerve impulses need to travel a lot further to get from one part of their body to another. And so we thought, well, maybe their nerves conduct information more quickly to make up for this long distance. And what we found from that study is that they really don't. They conduct information about the same speed as the nerves in small animals. And so larger animals have these really long nerve conduction delays. And um, so, so we knew this is one component of reflex time, and we were interested in seeing how long the whole reflex would take, because that's really what the animal cares about, how long it takes to sense and then respond to something, not only to conduct information. Because I think we, we tend to think that animals, because of their whole survival, um, the survival Um, the idea to be able to survive, that they have very fast reflexes, but your research uh, shows otherwise. Kind of. I mean, they are really fast in absolute time. I mean, an elephant will take about, we found, um, the the fastest reflex would be 0.18 seconds. So, I mean, if you think about it, that seems really fast. But relative to their movement times, yeah, it's really slow. I mean, it would be about between a quarter to more than the whole time a foot is on the ground when it's moving quickly. And and that's interesting. I mean, we didn't expect that they would be that slow compared to movement times. Uh, and in the, the research, it, it talks about, too, that if an animal is running or sprinting and puts its foot, it puts, the foot goes into a hole or something in the ground, the reaction yeah. to that, it has to take, explain that if you can, that it, the reaction, it has to wait until the next step. Sure. Well, for some animals, I mean, okay, so first we only studied one reflex, but it kind of gives a lower bound on um, how quickly this this is able to happen. Um, But so for small animals, they might be able to do it because their their amount of time that it would take them to sense and then respond to that stimulus would be about a quarter of the time their foot is on the ground. So if they would step in a hole and they would need to adjust their leg position to compensate for that and avoid falling over, they could probably just about do it. But a big animal like an elephant, if it's running along very quickly and it steps in a hole, there wouldn't be enough time that while its foot is on the ground that it could sense that disturbance send that signal up to its spinal cord and activate its muscles and then compensate for that disturbance and it might end up just falling over, which is probably not good for it. No, probably not. Um, how were you able to, to study this? I'm picturing you running around with elephants, but I'm guessing that wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't exactly how it was done. Some of it was, actually. <laughs> for the nerve conduction velocity stuff, um, uh, Max did some work uh, in Edmonton with an elephant there and they attached some electrodes to measure its muscle activity and its 
nerve activity, and they did walk around with the elephant to test those electrodes. There was a little bit of running with elephants involved. (laughs) I didn't get to do it, unfortunately. It would have been super fun. Um, But some of the the measurements we made ourselves, so on shrews, um, we measured the conduction velocity and the speed that muscles take to contract, and we also did some work in uh, mice and giraffes and elephants, And then the rest of the numbers we got from other people's studies, so from the literature. So I spent months and months and hours and hours reading a lot of papers and digging these numbers out from what people had found in a range of species spanning the whole whole, um, animal size range. And by doing that, we were able to get numbers from many more species than we would have been able to if we would have had to measure everything on our own. It is is so interesting, and I guess we have these preconceived notions as well, even when you're listing off those animals. And, and if, you, if someone was to say or ask, what do you think has a, a faster reflex, a giraffe or a kangaroo? I would probably pick kangaroo, but I don't, I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you anything about kangaroos, actually, although Max has done some work on locomotion in kangaroos, which is really cool, but not on reflexes. But yeah, so we would predict based on the results of our work that because giraffes are larger, um, they would have slower reflexes, at least the reflex that we studied. Right. So what what can we take away from this and learn from this as far as uh, we now know better or have a better idea of how animals move and, and react to things? What else do we take away from this? Well, one thing that, that we think is pretty interesting is that for, for small animals, their faster response times and the way that their bodies are designed mean that they can probably just use the intrinsic properties of their muscles and their biomechanics to compensate for disturbances when they're moving around their environment. But for bigger animals, they have these challenges because of their longer delays. And in order to offset those challenges, they might use different methods to control their movement than small animals do. Um, We think one of those might be more predictive control, so they might need to um, collect a lot of different sensory information from their environment and then integrate all of that information to make predictions about what they think is going to happen in the future. And then they can actually start to compensate for various disturbances before they would sense those disturbances, if that makes sense. So instead of having to wait to sense the disturbance and then have this long delay before responding, they might kind of start to generate that response before the disturbance even occurs. Um, And they're able to do this because one of, or we think they're able to do this, because one of the, the delays we looked at is synaptic delay, so the time that it takes to transmit information between neurons in the spinal cord. And for large animals, that's a relatively smaller percentage of their total delay than it is in in smaller animals. And so they have kind of a lower cost overhead associated with making predictions, Hmm. we we think. think. It's hard to test these things explicitly, right? Right. You can't just ask the animals and and tell you. No, definitely not. That would be a good study, though. It would. Uh, And do we find, then, that animals perhaps that are slower, do they compensate and have more better skills in other areas? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, This doesn't exactly answer your question, but we do see that large animals, um, they they move slower than we predict based on trends in smaller animals. 
so an elephant doesn't actually, you know, sprint like a shrew does, but it kind of um, maxes out at about a fast walk or a trot, which is about 90% slower than you would predict its top speed would be based on trends in smaller animals. And we think that one reason for that might be because if it moved faster than that, it wouldn't have time to respond to things um, within a reasonable amount of time because of its long delays. So that kind of answers your question. It does. It does. It's, it's, it's very interesting research. Uh, Heather, we'll leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. That is Heather Moore. She is a postdoctoral student at SFU, a postdoctoral researcher. You can uh, learn more about the research on their website. That study as well was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. And uh, it's pretty interesting. If you like animals, if you like learning about animals and uh, getting to know about their reflexes, that is the study for you. We are taking some time as we get closer and closer to the civic elections to look at some of the races around BC. Last weekend, we looked at Burnaby. Today, we are looking at Langley, both the township and the city. And Frank Buchholz joins me on the line, former editor and current columnist at the Langley Times. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, good morning, Jill. When we talk about Langley City and the township, but similarities between the two, what, what are the differences between those two areas? Um, well, one of the biggest differences is that uh, Langley City is 100% urban and it does not have issues like farmland or, you know, vast distances between communities. It's, it's one community. And the township, uh, close to 80% of the land is within the, in the agricultural land reserve. And the remainder of it is either urban or slated for urban. And Willoughby in particular has developed into a very large urban area. All right. And what would you say, looking at uh, the two in that area, what are the the key issues as we head into the civic elections? Um, I think there are different issues in each community. Um, Langley City has had many challenges over the past decade uh, dealing with homelessness and the number of homeless people. A shelter was built with a lot of community effort and a lot of support from the provincial government. And uh, that really hasn't made much of a difference. There's still a lot of homeless people in Langley City, and there's a lot of uh, social challenges related to that. In addition, uh, Langley City is, uh, I think, gentrifying slightly, not quite on the scale of a place like New Westminster, but uh, there are more younger people moving in, and I think there's more pressure for rapid transit, and there's been quite a bit of discussion about whether LRT or SkyTrain is the right answer for rapid transit. Whereas in the township, I think the main issue is growth. And secondary issue that a lot of people have brought up is um, with the legalization of marijuana, the, gro- the growing of marijuana in existing greenhouses. And that does seem, uh, it's, it's not one that uh, in the past has been a big issue when we're talking about the civic elections, but uh, as, you, as you're saying, it, clearly that will be an issue this time around. Yes, yes, I think it will be. Uh, we don't often think of, of Langley uh, um, 
as crime isn't really uh, something that, that we think of as synonymous with Langley. But even just this morning, I was seeing a social media post about a particular neighborhood uh, where the homes have been broken into, one house broken into several times, and the neighbors kind of rallying together and, and saying that we all need to, to look out for people who are doing this. Uh, has crime become, do you think, more of an issue in, in just the more recent years? Um, it's an issue that comes up every now and then when there's something particularly bad and then it sort of quiets down again. I don't think it's anything like it is in Surrey, for example. I mean, generally, it's a fairly peaceful place. I mean, historically, Langley City had more night spots and nightlife and there tended to be a little bit more late night crime there as a relation to that. Uh, that's uh, died down somewhat. So I would say crime is not high on the agenda. I think it's probably much more issues like homelessness and, and some of the social issues leading, you know, and relating to that. And that certainly has become more uh, widespread, it seems, as people everywhere are, are dealing with those issues. And it's not, I think in the past, maybe it was thought of more in downtown Vancouver, Burnaby, even New Westminster, more closer to, to Vancouver. Whereas it does seem to be that that's becoming more and more, whether it's Maple Ridge or Langley, Surrey, uh, in more of the, the other parts of Metro Vancouver. Oh, no question. And, it, and it's not a new issue in Langley City. I mean, it's been an issue there for probably at least 10 to 12 years. And uh, I think one of the concerns in more recent years is the community has responded to it. A shelter has been built, offers some very good community services, and yet that doesn't really seem to be slowing it down any. And I think this is at least partially related to the high cost of housing because some of the people who are homeless just can't find a place to live. I mean, they aren't all drug addicts. They aren't all people with mental illness. Some of them generally can't find a place to live. And what about the, politically speaking? Uh, what are some of the, the, or how are the races heating up as far as uh, candidates and uh, people that want to be uh, mayor? Well, in the township, I would say it cooled down this week because Eric Woodward, who's a well-known uh, property uh, landowner in Fort Langley, um, had been contemplating running for mayor against Jack Furrows, who is the two-term incumbent. Uh, just this week, Eric uh, Woodward has decided that he will be running for council. So at this point in time, Jack Furrows is unopposed. Whereas in the city, uh, Peter Fassbender, the former mayor, who was later a MLA for Surrey Fleetwood and a m member of the Christie Clark cabinet has decided he's going to run for mayor again. There were already two councillors who had decided to run. Almost immediately, one of them said, well, I'm not running against him, I'm going to run for council. The other, Val Vandebrock, is, who's a first-term councillor, is still running against him. But the mayor's races, um, you know, the city race, obviously, there's going to be some interest there, but in the township, at this point, there's no race. No, I guess not. Uh, in the city, is the current mayor uh, trying to running for re-election? No, Ted Schaefer is the current mayor, right. and he's uh, retiring. He's not running again. And and what's the kind of if you get uh, a sense of the pulse of people, uh, the return of Peter Fassbender? Is he being welcomed back? Because he is. It, it is a lot. To, he's coming back with a lot of not baggage, I suppose, but he's coming back after being pretty high profile. In and not everybody would agree with the decisions he's made while he's stepped away from that role. No, I would agree with you that that he's definitely going to be put under another lens because of his role in the provincial government, which, after all, did lose the election. Um, all that being said, he was very popular as the mayor of the Langley, of Langley City. 
Uh, he's well-known in the community. He's been very involved. Even when he was a Surrey MLA, he was still very involved in many things in the city, particularly charitable efforts. And, um, you know, he's a fairly formidable foe. And the voters in Langley City historically have tended to support long-term incumbents. Uh, there's two members of council who have been members for more than 20 years. And so I would say he's probably a favorite at this point, although Val Vandenbrock is well-known in the city, particularly through working with the community police station and has served a term on council, so is better known. But, you know, she's running against somebody who's extremely well-known. And I mean, I remember when Peter Fassbender was mayor in, in the first go, and a lot of times talking to him about transit, about the need for better transit to connect uh, Langley to other parts. Uh, it seems like he'll be coming back and still having to make that argument uh, or pick up that fight. I think so. Yeah, although, uh, theoretically, uh, an LRT line is going to be built between uh, King George Station in Surrey and Langley City. But the funding does not exist for it to be built at this point in time. And in Langley City, as in much of Surrey, there's a lot of pushback against LRT. Uh, people think it should be part of the SkyTrain system. And I think that's a decision that the next council will be grappling with. Right. Uh, even though I, I suppose, well, the funding, I mean, comes from council, comes from all levels uh, of government. Uh, is, that, is that part of the thinking, too, in that Langley? I, I would imagine that there's some uh, difference of opinions, uh, which we always get when places uh, tend to grow and expand and become uh, bigger hubs. Uh, the price of housing goes up, the better connected you are. Uh, is there a sense you're getting from some people that uh, the Langleys are perhaps losing a bit of their charm? Um, well, they're losing their charm in terms of affordability for younger people to buy housing. I mean, housing in Langley is almost as expensive as it is in the rest of the region. So, I mean, for many young people who have not been in the housing market as owners, it's very, very challenging to enter it. Uh, this has had quite an effect in actually the mix of development in Willoughby because just about everything that's being built there now is four- to six-story uh, strata units, and they have proven popular with a lot of young families, but with the changes to the mortgage rules and the continuing boost in housing prices, uh, a lot of young families, even making incomes of $100,000, can't afford to get a mortgage. And so I think that part of the charm of Langley is definitely uh, going away a bit. I think in terms of the community itself, um, it's still a very good community. It's a very tight-knit community, very supportive of a lot of charitable efforts, a lot of great parks, great facilities. Uh, the Langley Event Center is something which is extremely well used. They just put on a very successful rib fest in Langley, which we attended, which we thought was just great. And so there's, there's a lot of things going on and things that I think attract families and attract people there. It's just, it's expensive to live there. Well, and uh, unfortunately, it was it was through doing a, a rather uh, an unfortunate uh, story when I was covering the Murrayville project and what happened there. But what stood out for me covering that was just, as you're saying, there were young families, this was their chance at home ownership, and really wanting to be part of that community and choosing Langley and choosing that community because of everything that it offered. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and I think that continue, people would like to live in Langley. I think what's happened is a lot of people who would like to live in Langley are ending up living in Abbotsford or Chilliwack because that's all they can afford. And this, of course, puts more pressure on Highway 1, which is another transportation issue which affects Langley as well as other parts of the Fraser Valley. 
And, and, and so just to, to wrap up then, uh, because the, uh, certainly a bunch of different uh, issues and such that are going to become more and more, uh, more and more front and center as we get closer to the election. Would you say, though, uh, homelessness, housing, transportation of those, which, ones, which one do you think is top of mind for people? Well, in the city, I would say homelessness and transportation. And housing, of course, would be a second one. Um, in the in the township, I would say probably not, not not as much as housing. I think the general issue that a lot of people are grappling with is just growth in general and how much is too much and will it continue? And this, of course, puts pressure on things like the transportation systems, the hospital, the school systems, and other things. Uh, but in general, I don't think there's a huge sense of disquiet in either the city or the township, at least not at this stage of the game. But the Shouting will really begin after Labor Day. <laughs> All right, for sure it will. Frank, thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Jill. All right, that is Frank Buchholz. He is a former editor. He's a current columnist with the Langley Times. He's also a blogger. If you want to check out his South of the Fraser blog, it is at Frank Buchholz. That's B-U-C-H-O-L-T-Z dot blogspot dot com if you want to read his blog posts there.